1: Blessed Monday to you, beloved family. How are you doing? I'm thrilled that we could be together. Audio is still not video. We're still the internet out here in the country, but we're working on it. And I'm thrilled that we could be together. Um, audio. And that all is well. Uh, if you're keeping up on what's happening in the world, especially with the war in Israel, And um, with the church, especially with the war on the church by its shepherds, um, it's an amazing time to be living in. But, you know, uh, our first Christians, who were the Jewish apostles, were living in such a time. And they endured a tremendous persecution by their own people. And so, as many in the church are enduring persecution by their own shepherds, um, so did the first Jewish people, and our first pope, our Jewish Pope Peter, endure such persecution, and were scattered uh, all over the Mediterranean by that persecution. And in fact, uh, as God allows evil uh, and works it together for good, uh, it was also the good fruit of that dispersion in the first century that spread Christianity. Uh, throughout the whole Mediterranean and ultimately the world because the Jews would have remained a little closed-in bunch uh, on their own. And as Catholics, we're not to do that. We're not to hide. We're not to remain closed in. We have the message of salvation that every soul in the world needs. And we say, yeah, but they don't deserve it. And they don't, but neither do we. Um, There's not one single soul. In the entire history of the world, who deserves salvation? Not one, except the Blessed Mother. Absolutely not one. Um, it is a gift of God's grace. Uh, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve, and His by His mercy, He holds back from us what we do deserve, which is hell. So, I never, beloved, I never lose sight of that. I just never lose sight that God has poured his love on me, a sinner who never would have known him, who wasn't searching for him, um, totally changed my life. I was in conversation with one of our sisters a couple of days back, and I said, "The, the, the reason I know I'm a Christian is because of my heart, of what I love and what I hate or what I don't love, the things that delight me and the things that uh, I have no interest in anymore. Um, I'm a totally changed person, and I know that I'm a Christian. Um, now as a Catholic, after 18 years as an evangelical Protestant, uh, trying to save Catholics, now I have the fullness of the faith, the fullness of grace God has given us on earth. And for me, it's heaven on earth, on earth, in the midst of persecution, uh, although we know very little of it so far, um, in the midst of um, some of our prelates, uh, especially the uh, hierarchy, who is intent on destroying the faith, destroying the deposit of faith, destroying the sheep, destroying the church. Um, I'm not guessing at this. They're in the, middle, the midst of doing that with this so-called synod on synodality. I am ecstatic to be a Catholic, we have what the whole world needs, and God help us, dear ones, if we keep it to ourselves, so I thought, how do we, we always, I always think this, how do we live our faith in the midst of persecution, and I don't think we could look to any better group than the first Christians, um, because they were being slaughtered. Uh, by the Jews, Christians were being slaughtered by the Jews who didn't believe. Um, and, of course, you know, came, uh, the, the atrocity of killing all the babies under two years old um, in order to try to kill the Messiah. Um, and uh, Peter wrote to the Jews his first and second letter in letters in Scripture are Peter's letters. The Jews who were dispersed. In they had given their life to Christ, and they were ostracized. I mean one, one someone can give their life to Christ today, and I've spoken to some Jewish people and they say, "Well, I haven't told my family yet. And maybe two, three years goes by. That's an amazing thing to me. Um, it, it, it should never happen. A family should know. and in the in the early century, uh, the first century, uh, you were totally ostracized from the Jewish community, your home, your synagogue, uh, your whole community, your culture, totally ostracized. And that's why um, the writer to the Hebrews, who many think is the Apostle Paul and some don't, but he wrote to the Hebrews um, and kind of three branches of the Hebrews Uh, those who had fully um, come over to Christ and were persecuted, those who didn't yet believe uh, in Christ and those who were on the fence. Uh, They had really thought it was true, but they saw what happened to the Jews who believed and how they were put out of ostracized and persecuted and put out of their families and the synagogue, which was their life. And they said, I, I think he's the Messiah, but the price is too high. And so um, the Apostle Paul or whoever, whomever writes the book of Hebrews saying, um, come all the way to Christ. Don't sit on the fence. Um, you have to come all the way to Christ, all the way to the one who loved you and gave his life for you. Christ is better than Moses, better than the angels, higher than everything that went before And the whole book of Hebrews shows that he's higher than the angels who gave them the law of Moses and everything else. And he said, don't go back to Judaism. There's no salvation there. All of the Old Testament, all of Judaism was our schoolmaster, our tutor, our teacher to lead us to Christ, come all the way to Christ. And he say the same to us today. If you're Catholic and you truly believe it, don't hide, don't hide the message from your family. It's the most Self-centered, selfish thing you could do. And your family may disown you. Let them disown you. But let the Holy Spirit work to give them the message of salvation so they could be in heaven with you. Uh, it, it's it's too selfish. It's too weak, uh, too self-centered to say, I don't want to uh, my mother to hate me or my father to hate me or my husband or my wife or my siblings. I, I, I don't want to cause that. Well, do you want to cause them... Uh, to follow the route to hell. That's how strong that is. It's not about you, it's about their souls. And so, um, when the Jews were dispersed in the first century all over the Mediterranean, Peter wrote two letters to them. So, first Peter, he says this to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia chosen the exiles are chosen and destined by god the father and sanctified by the spirit for obedience to jesus christ and for sprinkling with his blood that's a description of us beloved if we have truly been baptized if we are part of his one holy catholic apostolic church the church for which he gave his life and we have been baptized into christ and are part of his one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we are a new creation in Christ. We are the ones chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit. Sanctified means set apart. And when God says we need to be holy as he is holy, the word holy doesn't mean perfect. We need to strive for perfection because God is perfect. But holy means to be set apart, sanctified. We must be set apart. From the world to God, we are sanctified by the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with His blood, those are the people to whom Peter is writing. Peter, our first pope, our first Jewish pope, and he says, "May grace and peace be multiplied to you." This was written two thousand years ago, beloved, but it is the living word of God, and we are saved to a living hope. And every word here applies to us, every single word. How am I supposed to live in this time where there's such confusion and the Pope's teaching the possibility of women deacons and blessing of uh, same-sex unions, which is no no such thing as same-sex marriage. There's also no such thing as same-sex unions. There's no unions between the same sex. There's only mortal and grave sin and discord. No and so, uh, our, Peter writes to all those in the first century, and he says, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, dear ones, if you have been baptized you have been born anew you were born first from your mother's womb and you're born anew born again from above you were born by the spirit you're born from your mother's womb and you come out of her womb, dead alive physically and dead spiritually into original sin through baptism you have been born anew you become a child of god from above in the spirit and now you are his child um and you are born again, or born anew. There's no such thing as a Catholic. Protestants are going to say, are you born again? You may not know what they're talking about. Go to John chapter 3 and read it carefully. Yes, if you're baptized, you are born again. That's what happens through baptism. You are born again, or more literally, from above, by the Spirit, and you become not only a child of Adam, but a child of God. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll take your calls and your emails at the half hour.
2: Act of consecration to Saint Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A most noble prince of the angelic hierarchies, valorous warrior of Almighty God, and zealous lover of His glory, terror of the rebellious angels, and love and delight of all the just ones, my beloved, Archangel St. Michael, desiring to be numbered among thy devoted servants, I today offer and consecrate myself to thee, and place myself, my family, and all I possess under thy most powerful protection. I entreat thee not to look at how little I, as thy servant, have to offer, being only a wretched sinner, but to gaze, rather, with favorable eye at the heartfelt affection with which this offering is made. And remember that if from this day onward I am under thy patronage, thou must, during all my life, assist me and procure for me the pardon of my many grievous offenses and sins, the grace to love with all my heart my God, my dear Savior Jesus, and my sweet mother Mary, and obtain for me all the help necessary to arrive to my crown of glory. Defend me always from my spiritual enemies, particularly in the last moments of my life. Come then, O glorious Prince, and succor me in my last struggle, and with thy powerful weapon, cast far from me into the infernal abysses, that prevaricator and proud angel that one day thou prostrated in thy celestial battle. St. Michael, defend us in our daily battle, so that we may not perish in the last judgment. Amen.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at com. Welcome
1: back, beloved to Mother Miriam Live. I am she and we are live. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be with you. And we are looking at the book of First Peter, written by Peter, our first Pope, our first Jewish Pope. And he's ri- writing to all the Jews who, uh, in the first century, came to believe that Jesus indeed was the Jewish Messiah and God, the Son of God and God the Son. And he... Um, uh, they were dispersed in immediate persecution by Jews who didn't believe, it dispersed all over the Mediterranean. And so Peter writes to them to support them. And he says, I'll just repeat the, fir- the first two sentences that we've already read. He said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, this is the book of First Peter, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Sanctified by obedience. That's set apart. It's the obedience of Christ to all who believe, uh, Paul writes in the Romans in the second chapter. And Peter says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now again, <laughs> he's writing to persecuted Christians. And in our persecution of today which has not reached the level of the persecution of the first Christians. Um, the, the, the tragedy of today is that the first century, the persecution were by first Jews who didn't believe that Jesus the Messiah was the Messiah, so they persecuted those Jews who believed that he was and ostracized them from the synagogue and homes and community. And they were spread, uh, dispersed all over the Mediterranean, which is why Peter's writing to them, to the dispersion. Today, unfortunately, aside from the utter evil in the world increasing by the hour, um, the church is being persecuted by its current pope and prelates and the hierarchy and many bishops. Not all. We have many good bishops many good priests, but um, the hierarchy and many bishops and many priests are persecuting the sheep and denying the faith, and that's that's worse. In in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, uh, God really came down upon his priests because he said they were starving the sheep and scattering them with the false teaching and uh, not feeding them. And God promised to destroy them and feed the sheep Himself, And uh, I think we're almost there today. And so, um, so again, whatever persecution we experience, and I feel it every time I read a new statement that comes out of the Synod on Synodality that's absolutely against the Catholic faith, against the scriptures, against the deposit of faith, um, and it's poison, and that's a, a form of persecution. It also not, always have to be physical. That is going to cause tremendous uh, suffering and confusion, especially to the sheep who don't know their faith well, which is why I, I, I just uh, come back to our knowing who we are in Christ and knowing our faith. And again, that's what Peter does with the scattered Jews. Um, in Galatia and all over the Mediterranean. So he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, by his great mercy, we have been born anew, all of us, baptized into Christ, born first from our mother's womb, and then from above. So we become not only children of Adam and Eve, but children of God through baptism. And Peter says, "By His great mercy, we have been born anew, again, or born from above." They're all good translations to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and to an inheritance, which is imperishable unfiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, Who for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, but now for a little while you may have to suffer then you, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by Fire! They were down to praise and glory and honor the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, God puts us through tests, and the tests prove that we are genuine and true, or we are false. I read an email uh, last week from someone who prayed to God and asked for things, deemed uh, to that person that God never answered them, and he be, he or she began to lose his faith and so i said well then he never had faith to begin with if we lose our faith because god doesn't answer our prayers we're praying to a god of our own making not the god who exists not the god who died on the cross for us and gave himself for us Um, we don't determine or understand how god works we just trust that he's god and we are his and like a parent does uh, for a three-year-old who doesn't understand the parent's decisions when the parent doesn't want the three-year-old to have what it wants, um, so to us, we have the most perfect father in heaven, and he knows exactly what is good for us and when it is good. And if you lose your faith because He doesn't, he's not a genie and answer what you want, when you want, how you want, it's because your faith was in a God of your own making, not the God who exists. And so Peter says, um, that the trials are so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by fire, may redound the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with unutterable and exalted joy. As the outcome of your faith, you obtain the salvation of your soul. And he continues, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired about this salvation. They inquired what person or time was indicated by the spirit of Christ within them when predicting the sufferings of Christ. And the subsequent glory, Isaiah chapter 53 above all, predict the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glory and his resurrection from the dead. St. Peter says it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things which have now been announced to you by those who preached the good news to you through the Holy Spirit and from heaven, things into which into which angels long to look. And so Peter says, even the prophets of old who wrote these things of the coming Christ, they didn't even fully understand what they wrote. But they did, and they wrote it for us. And through the Holy Spirit, who's the author of the scripture, we can understand these things. And so Peter says, therefore, therefore, gird up your minds, be sober, and set your hope fully upon the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am It's To quote from Leviticus, from the Old Testament, God letting his people know that. But they didn't have, dear ones, as we have, the indwelling Holy Spirit. They didn't have the power we have to live the Christian life, uh, to live a holy life. But now we do. So he's quoting it now. Now you, who have the Holy Spirit, who have been born from above, which the Old Testament saints were not, who have been born from above, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And Peter continues, if you invoke as father him who judges each one impartially according to his deeds, conduct yourself with fear through the time of your exile. In my 18 Protestant years, we were not judged, we believed, for our deeds, but that's not true. We are. If you invoke his father, him who judges, each one impartially according to his deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Why fear? If one saved, always saved. If we cannot lose our salvation, where's the fear and trembling that Paul speaks about? Um, so he says, You know that you were ransomed from the futile, youthful ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest at the end of the times for your sake. Through him, You have confidence in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Beloved, if your faith weakens, just read the books of 1st and 2nd Peter and get your identity back and your strength and your marching orders. Peter continues, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brethren, Love one another earnestly from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God for, and now he quotes the Old Testament, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Okay, just a minute now. That's the whole first chapter of First Peter. And we continue now. We have a, just another minute before the break. Um, and, beloved, just some of you may ask me where I'm reading from, and I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition. Now, if you have Dewey Rhames, uh all of that, you're fine. But... Uh, the Revised Standard Version, Catholic edition, There's a Protestant edition, but it misses the books that Martin Luther took out of the Bible. So the Catholic edition has the f- complete, the New Testaments are the same, but the Catholic edition has the complete Old Testament uh, that our Lord himself had a copy of with the Septuagint. So Revised Standard Version, Catholic edition, published by Ignatius Press, I recommend, um, uh, For me, the number one. Um, But again, other versions that are good, but if you read uh, newer versions, um, uh, I I would absolutely want to steer you away from any inclusive language, any degraded language, and and get either, again, the Revised Standard Version. If you have the Jerusalem Bible, uh, let it be the old, not the new Jerusalem. Nothing with new... uh, in Jerusalem Bible because they have inclusive language so um, we'll be right back after the break beloved the toll free number to call in if you wish with anything on your heart 1-877-511-5483 or email
3: or other at com. Hello this is Father Jim Netto with the Diocese of Portland, Maine In Krakow, Poland on the 2nd of June, 1938, the Lord Jesus himself directed a young Polish Sister of Mercy on a three-day retreat. Sister Faustina painstakingly recorded Christ's instructions in her diary, that is, a mystical manual on prayer and divine mercy. These instructions became Faustina's weapon in fighting the good fight. Jesus began, My daughter, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. Secret number 10: Let all act as they like. You are to act as I want you to. In this secret, Jesus counsels us to mind one's own business, for this is key in the spiritual warfare. The devil is a busybody attempting to drag everyone down. Please God and let the opinions of others go by the wayside. In fact, shun those who get pleasure out of hearing and reporting that which is dishonest and shameful. The spreading of gossip sows almost all discord and disunity. The devil delights in disunity and discord. A great many people gossip and slander because of pride. They think that by depreciating others, they will increase their own worth. They want to make the most of their own alleged good qualities. Everything they say and do will be good, and everything that others say and do will be wrong. Lord God, teach us to act as you want, and we beg you, teach us to guard the reputation of others as we would our
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at one 5483 or email her at mother at com. Welcome
1: back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and this is our whole half hour together, and I love this time uh, for you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Um, I don't always have the answers, but either I can look them up and get back to you or um, um, I could give you resources for them. Um, But it doesn't have to be our subject. The heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And the toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 at mother at the station com, We have an email from Martha. Um, and Martha says, Mother Miriam, have you heard anything about the Synod in the last week or two regarding how things are going? Um, are there any worthwhile uploading around? Well, there are, Martha, and I mentioned a couple of things earlier in the program today, and every new word coming out of the Senate is worse than the one before. With the heresy and the prospect of discussion of heresy, um, I think the best way to keep up on that is to go to LifeSite News. They're on top of it, LifeSite News, and... um, uh, and there, there is coming up uh, at the end of this month, October 31st and November 1st, a Rome Forum in Rome where they will be uh, in Rome uh, discussing the outcome of the Synod to that point. Um, uh, Bishop uh, Strickland will be there and Cardinal Mueller and um, I believe uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, John Henry Weston, co-founder of LifeSite News, um, and other good people that I, their names don't to come to me at the moment. It's going to be wonderful. And I just mentioned that there are rooms there if anybody can get to Rome and be part of that. Um, because the, the whole thing will be a strategy on how we as the sheep, as the Church of Christ, can move forward in the midst of this apostasy and tremendous heresy that's being spoken. So, Martha, I would just uh, suggest. Um, Keeping Up with LifeSite News, and they continually report daily what's coming out of the Synod. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Have you heard of the book of Enoch? If so, what is your opinion of it? Yes, I've heard of it, and um, Enoch is mentioned uh, more than once in the Bible. He's the first assumption. I think it's Genesis chapter five. He, he uh, the book of Hebrews says that he he was taken because he walked with God or pleased God. Same thing, um, and that he will appear again with Elijah at the end time. The two prophets. Um, and, um, and he's quoted in the book of Jews, so I haven't read it. It's not included in scripture before. Um, in several books that were thought, uh, whether they should be included in scripture or not at the time the canon was put together, the rule of, what uh, past the, uh, popes and bishops of the fourth and fifth century when they put the canon of scripture together, um, and Enoch was not included because there were some things that were concerning or problematic. Um, and it, uh, a little article on Catholic.com says, The book of Jude contains some of the most mysterious and intriguing passages in the New Testament. One occurs when Jude warns against a group of Christians who have given themselves over to immorality. After several metaphors illustrating the spiritual state future judgment, Jude writes, it was of these also that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, uh, saying, behold, the Lord came with myriads of his holy ones to execute judgments on all and to convict all the ungodly and all their deeds of ungodliness, which they have committed in such an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him." That's Jude uh, verses fourteen and fifteen. Um, Enoch is thought to be a prophet, um, the Old Testament prophet, not Old Testament but prophet of uh, who lived uh, prior to Christ, um, and that his writings are apople- apocalyptic, meaning that they speak of the of the end times. Um, and um, there are several quotes from Enoch. Um, and the Book of Enoch is also known as First Enoch. Apparently, there's a Second Enoch, um, and there's much written. Uh, if you wait, and again, I haven't written. I uh, read it, so I have no opinion personally of it. But I, I would. Um, um, it, uh, it, it says here in this article by Jimmy Aiken. Um, That the first century letter of Barnabas, again, and that's not in scripture either, uh, quoted Enoch as scripture, and so did the third century author Tertullian, um, and so forth. Um, Enoch was quoted quite a bit, but so were Barnabas, Thomas, and many others that were thought they could be scripture, but again... When the canon, uh, Hippo and Carthage, when the canon of Scripture was put together fourth the 5th century, there were rules that eliminated those books as being canonical, and books that were questioned were admitted to the canon of Scripture. So uh, that was... Um, uh, the, the criteria that the church came up with to determine if a book is scripture or not uh, was laid out in the 4th of the centuries. But can Catholics read the book of Enoch? Absolutely. Uh, but know that it's not uh, absolute. It's not scripture. It's not infallible. Um, okay. Okay. Um, We have an email from Arthur. He says, I've heard the song Mary, Did You Know? Popularized even in some Catholic circles. Could you speak on what is wrong with the song, song, theologically speaking? I've heard it also, Arthur, and um, the reason that it's popularized, it's Protestant. And it's popularized even in some Catholic circles because many Protestant songs have come in, especially through the charismatic movement, to the Catholic Church, and they, they're not correct according to Catholic theology, but people who accept them don't know their faith well enough. The question is, I'd have to bring up the song and go through it line for line, author, and I won't take the time to do that now, but the very title of the song shows that it's not Catholic. Mary, did you know? The question, uh, asking Mary if she knew that her son, that her little boy uh, would be uh, crucified one day, was God? The answer is yes. Mary knew it all. She knew it all. So go through the lines of that song. Uh, Mary, did you know? I know that in every line that it questions, the answer is yes, Mary knew. And so Protestants who write that don't know who Mary is. Um, They know she's the mother of the Messiah, but they don't understand that she was immaculately conceived from her, Mother Anne, um, without sin, born without sin, never sinned in her life. And yes, she knew. She knew all things. Um, Not as God knows. He's a creature. But she knew everything that song asked. So the answer is yes, Arthur. And again, you can go from the lines of that song. It's absolutely not Catholic. It's Protestant and should not be in Catholic circles. It shouldn't be in Protestant circles either because it's not correct. Okay. Um, Mary Ann writes, um, mother is a Catholic married in an Eastern Orthodox church. A valid marriage in the eyes of Jesus. A Catholic priest was not present at the ceremony. Thank you so much. I, you know what, Marianne? I cannot answer that. I would need to spend time, and I don't mind doing that, but I, I would need to look up canonical law on that. The Eastern Orthodox Church... Uh, separated from the Catholic Church. There are, there are Eastern Catholic Churches in the Eastern Rites, um, that, and they're Catholic, but they're Byzantine or other Eastern Rites, and they're holy because they're Catholic, and they come on to the Pope. But an Eastern Orthodox Church, who is separated from the Catholic Church, as John Paul II called them, the two lungs of the Church, they split. Uh, in the year 1000, I think 58. I have to confirm that, um, and they had valid bishops who, who um, and valid sacraments. So, so th- to this day, their sacraments are valid, um, and the church says we can receive their sacraments only in the case where we cannot get to a Catholic church. So if it's an eastern orthodox church separated from the catholic church and it's not uh eastern catholic um i would say that um um it, it's hard to say but uh, it would be illicit valid marriage I, i'm guessing it would be, be a valid marriage because the sacraments are valid um, but um if they come into the catholic church I would say that all the supplements need to be raised to, um, or at least valid, revalidated. Uh, so uh, if you're a canon lawyer listening, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing I'm not correct on this. Um, so Marianne, I would uh, say if a Catholic married in an Eastern Orthodox Church, um, if they were Catholic, and they're married in an Eastern Orthodox Church that is separated from the Pope, then they've left the Church to go with um, uh, along um, um, a uh, segment that departed from the Catholic Church. And that would be problematic. That would be problematic because they would no longer be Catholic. And that would be very problematic. So I think that that person, based on their own state, to speak with a Catholic uh, canon lawyer um, and a good um, canon lawyer of the marriage tribunal to find out the answer to that. In their particular case, especially, if a person's married Eastern, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, that's one thing, but if it's a Catholic who has left, uh, coming under the papacy to be married in a church that doesn't recognize the papacy, that would be problematic. Okay. Um, let me just see. Um, Mary emails and says, I always wondered why it is not common practice people to remove their shoes when entering a church, would not that be most appropriate the same way one would remove their shoes in visiting the home of a close friend or family member to show respect? Oh, dearest, dearest Mary, that is a tradition that is so old and so beautiful Respect, we hardly know the respect today that has been given in the past, Mary. Um, people remove their shoes today going into some homes because they have white carpet or or the, the homeowners walk around in barefoot to keep the floors and the carpets clean. It has nothing to do with um, respect for the people. And... Um, uh, in in the sense of holiness. Um, People would remove their shoes uh, when entering a church the same way our Lord said to Moses, remove your shoes at the burning bush. You are standing on holy ground. And because God himself was in the bush and God himself is in every tabernacle of every Catholic church, we would do well to remove our shoes. I do not. I don't, I have not known anyone who has done that. Um, there might be some who still do that. That presence of God enough to still remove their shoes, to still cover their heads, to still dress modestly in every way, um, not to talk, not to greet friends, but truly know they're in the presence of God, and so. Mary, this is a new question for me, and I could only simply say that reverence and respect has been gone for many, many, many years. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current, Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to the Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app.
0: Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received.
1: Catholic Radio has just been a lifesaver for me. I start my day with it. I listen to it all day long as much as I can. There's always people calling in with people who've lost children, and I love everyone has to say and the advice of the Catholic Church and how to deal with suffering. It has given me the strength to get through the day and to get out of bed each morning. I am very grateful grateful for it. Catholic Greater to me has been very informative on my religion. It has informed me of many things that I wasn't aware of or should have been aware of, and I've enjoyed it very much listening to it.
0: If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us.
2: We hear all the time from listeners who discovered the station by seeing a Tri-God bumper magnet in traffic. You can request a free bumper magnet and start evangelizing just by driving around town. Go to thestationofthecross.com and click on Promotional Material under the About tab. There you can request a magnet for your listening area. We even have one for the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Request yours today.
1: uh, ten minutes left, and you're welcome to call in again with anything on your heart. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. Uh, Janet emails, if a priest who has had five years to discern his vocation can be laicized, why does a couple who may court only for six months to a year need a church annulment, especially if it was due to abuse or alcoholism and the like, doesn't a person who wishes to remarry deserve happiness without having to go through a long emotional process? The issue of deserve here has nothing to do with it. Um, The issue is what is right before God. Uh, A priest may have five years or 12 or more. To discern his uh, vocation if he's laicized it, it is because he's committed mortal sin against his vocation and the powers that were given to him can no longer be operative um, but in an annulment it's an entirely different thing annulment says now if a priest is five years It's a discerned vocation, is one thing. A couple who's dated for six months needs an annulment, not because they've courted for six months, because they are married. And our Lord says what God has joined together. No man can put asunder what God has done. It's not the priest who does it, it's not the church who does it. A couple uh, gives the sacrament to one another. A priest is simply there as a witness. An, An annulment does not break up a marriage. An annulment, it's a degree of nullity. It says that the marriage never existed to begin with. So let's say a person was um, married, um, he, she says, uh, six months, who made court for six months to a year, um, and then they marry, and then because of alcoholism or, or some other abuse, uh, they need an annulment. because again um the two become one you cannot separate if you break them you're breaking one in half they can't one cannot become two again and the issue of a annulment is to see if the marriage actually took place in the case of a priest it did take place he has to be laicized in the case of a marriage it's not a matter of break it's not a catholic divorce it's not breaking up a marriage. It's research. It's not, the husband could be beating his wife or she could be cheating on him and all of that. That's not cause for an annulment. The cause for an annulment has to go back to the circumstances of the marriage and for the marriage tribunal to determine if it was in fact a marriage. A marriage has to come together by two people who are Catholic or, or none, if there are exceptions in a state of grace, and, um, um, and they are joined together again. Uh, the two souls become one because they give the sacrament to each other by their vows. And again, the priest is only a witness. And so if the tribunal determines that at the time of their so-called wedding, um, one of the spouses... Who agreed to a Catholic wedding marriage, um, never intended to raise the children Catholic, never intended to live a Catholic life, uh, never intended to be open to life and all of that. It was, it was just a lie. And then, at the time of their marriage, if that could be uncovered, then what will be uncovered is the fact that they never were married. It was not a valid marriage. That's what an illness is. It could be the most beautiful marriage in the world with 10 children, faithful spouses, all of that, and still have an moment not be legitimate, if the circumstances at the point of marriage were not valid. All right, um, and it could be the most horrendous, abusive marriage, but the circumstances at time of marriage, both spouses were in a state of grace, they both meant to raise their children Catholic, they both were open to life, they met every criteria, it's a valid marriage. And then one of them becomes an alcoholic or abusive or uh, goes off, it's still a marriage, and they cannot remarry. So that's, that's the issue, Janet. I hope that helps somewhat. Um, hold on now Um, let me just uh, go down here a couple we won't have time for someone Um, we have an email from Joshua mother a priest told us recently at mass that Jesus did not actually multiply the loaves and fishes he just got oh come on he just got people to share well, this is the real miracle, is this so? You know, I've heard this, Joshua, that priests have said this in the past. It is so insane, it's laughable, um, that uh, what's coming out of the Vatican today, I could understand a statement like this being made, it's so awful. But Jesus got 4,000 people or in one incident, 5,000 in another, simply to share. So there's only seven bread, seven loaves. But when you share them with 5,000 people, you could break them up tiny enough for them to go to 5,000 people, it's insane. It's insane. Yes, it's a real miracle, and the priest who told you that is, I can't say he's not a real priest, because I don't know, I'm assuming he is, but he's lost his faith, he's bought into a liberal agenda that is nonsense, that makes no sense. And he is part of the, those who have eliminated miracles from the Bible. So whoever that priest was, I would find a different church, or I would not come under him. He does not know his faith. Jesus did multiply the loaves and fishes. Um, he didn't get people to share. What he got people to do was collect seven to 12 baskets full of everything that was left over. Um, so, uh, Joshua, um, I would not come under that priest. Um, okay, we have an email from Natalie who writes I attended what was supposed to be a mass at my parish, but there was no priest available. So, instead, they conducted a service of sorts, I'm not even sure what to call it, in which communion was still given. The person giving communion was not a priest or a deacon. This situation made me uncomfortable, so I did not go up to receive it. Good for you. Did I do the right thing? Yes, you did. Does this mean I did not actually attend Mass that Sunday? No, you attended Mass, just did not receive the Blessed Sacrament. And I am now potentially living in a state of mortal sin. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, it wasn't a Mass, and if you knew better, um Well, it could be that the priests were on retreat, um, but your intention was to go to mass, and um, even though you couldn't, you would not have received the blessed sacrament. She says, "I know my heart was in the right place, but I feel guilty skipping out on our Lord, even though I felt it was the right thing to do." Thank you, Natalie. Natalie. um, I, I don't know how you could have known all that. You intended to go to Mass. You were right to not receive the Eucharist from a lay person with no priest or deacon present. You were absolutely right. Um, and so um, I would just say the next time you go to confession, include the fact that you went there and it was a communion service led by lay people and no priest and you did not receive the Eucharist. Just let a priest know that. And just say you feel guilty, you don't know if you're in a state of sin or not. I don't believe you are, but I think even if it was a mistake and you're innocent in the motive of your heart, you should still bring it up in confession um, and let the priest um, make sure you're you're totally clear uh, of having attended that communion service. Uh, if, in fact, you knew nothing about it in advance. Okay, God bless all of you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.